Today on It's Always Something in Philadelphia, we talk about the Sixers and Flyers now both on win streaks. The Flyers four, the Sixers two, breaking their losing streak. And of course, we'll talk about the Super Bowl and the Eagles and how their offseason looks. Already off to a shaky start with Hassan Redick. And that's what we'll get into today. But I want to start with the Super Bowl, some two-day late Super Bowl reaction. I could say as an objective fan, and I say objective because I was clearly hating and rooting for the demise of one team, but as an objective fan without you know my team, without the Eagles in the game, it was a great Super Bowl. You really couldn't have asked for anything else. I know it was low scoring, maybe a little bit boring in the first half, but that's only if you're a casual. If you're a real NFL fan, there was some great defense being played, a lot of just weird stuff, you know, McCaffrey fumbling. There was the fumble by Pacheco, second half, um, the interception by Mahomes, the punt off the foot, then it was muffed. A lot of like weird stuff, but you were sort of always on the edge of your seat, always waiting for the next play, and it was always close enough, and that's the thing. And, I mean, first off, you know, a shout-out and a tip of the cap to Chiefs fans. You're living the good life right now. But that's the thing with Mahomes and the Chiefs is for how bad they played, and I, was, I looked at my friend uh, Drew, who's a Chiefs fan, when this was happening. And they were down 10 nothing, and then they scored that field goal right before the half, got some points. And I looked at him, I said, for as bad as the Chiefs are playing, it's a one-touchdown game. And that's kind of right where you want to be if you're Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. They, of course, came back. Ball ended up in Mahomes' hand to end regulation. Could have had a touchdown. Didn't see Rasheed Rice because of that low snap. Gets the field goal. Then the Niners bone headed choice to re- receive the ball with the new NFL overtime rules. They hold the Niners to a field goal. Chris Jones, great pressure on Brock Purdy. He misses a wide open. I think it's Juwan Jennings or it might've been Debo Samuel. I'm not sure which one, but he, he's forced to throw it away. Pretty much chiefs get it back. They need a touchdown and it's Mahomes. It's Kelsey. It's Andy Reed. And you need a touchdown to win the game. And you know, they're going to win the game. They get all the way down to the end zone. I thought Travis Kelsey on that second to last play was going to just barrel in and go all the way in for that touchdown. It's what all the writers wanted. It's what all the conspiracy theorists and Swifty haters sort of secretly wanted so they can complain about it. Oh, it's rigged. It ends with Travis. No, they end up running a similar version of Corn Dog, which as an Eagles fan, you might painfully remember, are the two plays that they ran for wide open touchdowns in last year's Super Bowl against the Eagles, where they have a receiver start to go in motion and then stop and go back the way they were going and sort of confusing the defense as to who's supposed to stick with him, who's supposed to carry over or stay, creating that wide open person. They did that, a variation of corn dog in this game winning drive for McColl Hardman, the former Jet, who finds the end zone, scores the game and Super Bowl winning touchdown. And the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Again, a great game. The numbers just came out. 123 million. It's the most watched broadcast of all time, or I think the most watched since the moon landing <laughs> was watched. So everyone was watching it. You sort of expected it right with, with the hype of the Chiefs repeating and all the Swifties, Taylor Swift Nation backing all the supporters and just all the hype and and controversy and whatever falling or falling into this game. You sort of expected it to be this this biggest event, and it gets bigger mostly every year. So it, it surpassed that. And, and I thought, as a, as a mostly objective fan, it was it was a great Super Bowl to watch. I thought Usher was great. Uh, he crushed it. He was sweating, which okay, it makes sense. Stop roasting him. He's literally dancing 
through his entire performance. It makes sense. He was sweating. And he started with, you know, like four layers of outfits on. Um, had some fun guests. So great Super Bowl. But what makes it all even sweeter is that the 49ers lost. And the Eagles world, at least, you know, online Eagles Twitter, and sort of the NFL world has been clowning on the Niners since they lost. Why? Because they've been the most annoying team for maybe literally just the past year, for 365 days, one of the most annoying teams, if not before that, in the NFL. And it, it gave everyone, especially Eagles fans and Cowboys fans and Aaron Donald and whoever else, a chance to just point and laugh and kind of do the millhouse, ha ha, just laugh at them because they were so obnoxious, so much complaining after last year's NFC Championship, which in all fairness, yes, you lose your quarterback. Yeah, it sucks, and you're going to throw out hypotheticals. But the the way, the vitriol, the conviction in which, you know, again, fans, radio people, personalities, players said, matter-of-factly, we won that game if Purdy was in. Eagles, not legitimate. And then when the Eagles lost to the Chiefs last year, Niners fans loving the moment, soaking in the moment, clowning on Eagles fans every direction you could find. And so now a year later, Eagles fans are returning the favor and Niners fans are pretending like last year didn't happen and they didn't talk all offseason. And it's just been it's been a, a joy to watch um, even Fletcher Cox getting in on the action, calling out, you know, adding Debo Samuel on his Instagram story, telling him, you know, I got a ring and you don't get the F out of here. Aaron Donald doing the same thing, showing a picture of his ring. So everyone clowning on the Niners. And it, it is truly special to, to, to be so unlikable as a team that you bring together Eagles and Cowboys fans. I mean, how rare is that? That's like the meme of, of the two guys, you know, Crip and Blood, or at least guys in blue and red with their bandanas tied, holding them up, you know, where we'll unite for this moment just to clown on the Niners. I mean, they even... There's some cowboy fan made a song online, which I'm going to play. I'm not sure if it's going to come over for you. 49ers. Yeah. Fuck the 49ers. Yeah. Fuck the 49ers. Y'all a sorry ass team. Thanks. Fuck the 49ers. Damn. I hate the 49ers. I hate y'all. I hate the 49ers. Fuck y'all. Bow, 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 bow. Y'all some booty jams. Hey, 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 hey. Y'all lost to the jams. Bow, 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 bow. Y'all some booty cheeks. Hey, 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 hey. Super Bowl losing streak. Yeah. Fuck the 49ers. I hate the 49ers. I hate that fucking team. Brock Purdy look like Jimmy Neutron friend Sheen. Timu Tom Brady got your quarterback from Sheen. Why I hate that team so much? Where can I begin? Damn, fuck George Kittle, bro. He look like Ben Franklin. Damn, fuck Brock Purdy, bro. He look like Ronald Reagan. Damn, fuck Debo Samuel, bro. He look like the baby. Damn, fuck the 49ers. I can't say it enough. Yeah, y'all thought y'all had this one, huh? Yeah, that shit was just a bluff. And I ain't trying to hear what you gotta say about my team. Cause we both Went home with the same amount of rings. Facts. Bow, 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 bow. Y'all some booty cheeks. Hey, 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 hey. Y'all lost to the Chiefs. Bow, 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 bow. Y'all some booty cheeks. Hey, 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 hey. Just phenomenal to to own and, and dunk on the Niners like that after they did all that talking and all that annoying stuff all year long. It really is impressive that you had the majority of Eagles fans rooting for the same team that beat them in the Super Bowl a year ago instead of rooting for the Niners because of how just annoying they've been. So that that's a truly impressive feat. So my, my tip of the cap to all of the Niners fans, players, and media that that got you to this moment. Um, and, oh, one, one more thing I forgot about. 
Uh, Marshawn Lynch also getting in on the action. If you didn't see that, go look up this video. It's Marshawn Lynch in Vegas after the Super Bowl, just with a microphone approaching Niners fans and saying, are you a fan of the 49ers? And if they say yes, he just goes and pardon my French. Fuck you. And doing it for 10 minutes. It's it's the best. It's awesome. Um, so a good Super Bowl, a relatively positive ending, as in, you know, objective Eagles fan watching with my hatred of the 49ers. Um, good for Andy Reid. He got another one. It's cool to see him do it. Um, I've seen a lot of weird discourse about, like, oh, I wish the Eagles still had Andy Reid. And sure, like, he was a great coach, but things are meant to come to an end. And, you know, he, he has Patrick Mahomes. It's it's the perfect combination. It's why Belichick and Brady won so much. You have a great coach with an all-time quarterback. That's what brings success. There's there's no point in doing the mental gymnastics of, like, oh, but if we just still had Andy, then we'd have – It's don't, don't do that to yourself. That That's worthless. But he's got three. Good for him. Travis Kelsey, Jason's <laughs> brother, he's got another one. And Jason, like he has since the Eagles got eliminated, just stealing the show on this Chiefs Super Bowl run. I mean, he was in the Mysterio you know, wrestling mask and his overalls. And just after they were celebrating and it was Travis and Taylor, you know, singing to each other and being romantic. You just saw Jason like in his mask, just vibing out, not even on this planet, probably a billion beers deep. Good for him for having a good time to me that looks like a retired man um just he just seemed to be enjoying himself way too much you never know if he comes back for this season um but one person who we know might or might not come back to the eagles this season this was a report that came out on super bowl day is hassan reddick so the report on that day was that either he requested a trade or, or the Eagles were opening up a trade or gave him freedom to explore trade options. He has one year left on his deal. He has been a double-digit sack acquirer the past two seasons. He's been one of the best players in the Eagles defense the past two seasons, and I think he wants to be paid like one of the best defenders, best edge rushers slash linebackers in the league, and that's probably what he's looking for. Just today, Jordan Schultz, who I guess is very connected with, with Hassan Reddick in his camp, said. He spoke to all pro pass rusher Hassan Reddick, who tells me he never requested a trade and he wants to stay in Philadelphia. Quote, I would like to get an extension done here at home. At no point did I ever tell the organization I want to be traded. Jordan Schultz then followed up and said the Eagles, aware that Hassan Reddick has one year left on his contract and needs a new deal, informed his camp they could explore trade options if they want to. Uh, multiple sources told Bleacher Report. That's where things stand with the context on both sides. And then Hassan Reddick retweeted those tweets and then quote tweeted one saying, never asked for a trade. However, I do understand it's a business preparing for whatever is next. So if you're the Eagles, I, I guess I understand opening up the talks and saying, telling his camp, hey, you know, we're going to explore and you're, you're welcome to explore as well to see if there is another team out there that is very eager to give you this big contract and they have valuable players, picks, whatever that they can offer us. This doesn't necessarily mean he's gone. Similar things happen with Fletcher Cox and with Darius Slay sort of opening up to explore the market a little bit and eventually staying here. It's clear Hassan Reddick, he's from Philly. He played at Temple. He would like to stay home. He just wants to be paid to do so. I think the Eagle, I, the Eagle should keep him. They should pay him what he wants. I'm personally like, I'm not a, 
I talked on about in the last episode. I'm not a big cap guy. Who cares? It's some billionaire's money, not mine. I know there's certain rules to follow under and there's a cap limit, but I don't know. The cap doesn't exist in my mind. It seems like there's always ways to get around it. So Hassan Reddick, he's great. He's hometown. I think you have to keep him. But sure, there, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with with you know exploring options and seeing if there's a team that's willing to give you this great haul and plus then you save the money you would have had for paying him. But he was the most effective player in terms of getting to the quarterback on your team the past two years, especially this year where the rest of the, of the defensive line really didn't get home that second half of the season. So I think he would be a big loss. I hope he doesn't go to another team. I hope they find a way to make it work, but already a rocky start to the Eagles offseason now that we're officially in the 2024 offseason, preseason. You know, last year, it's done. Chiefs won that Super Bowl. Now the focus is on 2024 and what the Eagles can do. They have their brand new coordinators. Um, Kellamore on offense, Vic Fangio on defense, Nick Sirianni, still the head coach. We'll see what, what determines from that, what comes up from that. A lot of people are already early predicting that the Eagles will have a bounce back here. They're just too talented with Devontae Smith, with A.J. Brown, Jalen Hurts, who we'll see if uh, DeAndre Swift comes back. But Dallas Goddard, the weapons they have on offense, some of the core players on that line they have on defense. I know Brandon Graham wants to come back. Fletcher Cox, he might be retiring. He kind of is on that Kelsey line where it seems like he's more out the door to retiring than not. But we'll see. Um, the Super Bowl window for the Eagles still very much open. And just to, to interject, I, I don't. I really hate the term Super Bowl window. I, I don't think it works like that in the NFL. I, I don't think there's a window where oh from now into the next three years, the window's open and then it closes after that. It's no, it's it, the NFL is the hardest league to win at. You saw what happened to the Eagles. They were in the Super Bowl last year and then they collapsed and didn't get it this year, but they could go back next year or they could go back two years from now. I don't think there's a certain it's open now and it's closed now. I think it just depends. It's a year by year basis, right? You've seen so many teams go almost worst to first in a year. And so there, there's so much that can change year by year. So I don't really believe in that window, but in terms of core talent on this team, they've got the talent to win now. Can they put it into effect next season? So it'll be a long off season seeing what they do with these different possible retiring players, with Redick, what they do in the draft. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. But for the most part, 2023-24, this season is done. Shut the door. Move on. Focus on the next thing or the next sport. And speaking of the next sport, let's start with the Philadelphia 76ers. Last we talked, trade deadline. They got Buddy Heald. They got um, campaign. Gave a couple picks. Gave up Springer. Gave up Patrick Beverly. Since that point, well, they lost the first one to the Hawks, but they now have won two in a row. They broke their losing streak, ended the losing streak. They got a nice win over the Wizards, which they sort of needed to. The Wizards are one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the NBA. No defense, no coordination, just a bunch of guys chucking up shots in that one. So good to see them get that win. The Ricky Council game, he went off really finding his time, getting some time on the floor, even staying in the crunch time minutes over Tobias Harris. Ended up being you know, the NBC Sports player of the game. They interviewed him afterwards, and I really loved his quote. They asked him about how you know, it seemed like the bench was going even crazier for you than, you know, you were, you know, how, how cool is it to see your teammates excited for you like that? And he basically said, 
well, they, they damn well better be excited because that's what me and Terquavion Smith are doing every single game. They're the two-way guys. They're normally on the bench and they're normally providing the energy. So he, he was like, yeah, damn right. They better give me what I've been giving them. So that was cool to see. And then last night, taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of the hottest teams, or not the hottest team in the NBA. They've won pretty much all of their last games, haven't lost at home in eight or so games. And the Sixers undermanned no Embiid, of course, no Tobias Harris, no D'Anthony Melton, no Nick Batum, no Covington, able to squeak out a win. And Buddy Heald has looked amazing. Buddy Heald is averaging north of 20 points since he came here to the Sixers. And I think this just goes to show that in the NBA, you know, you see those videos of NBA players when they're retired, go into like a YMCA and just pulling up from three, you know, crossover, spin move, dunks, just being putting everything in their bag on display when that guy was like a three and D guy or like a center who like just set screens or whatever in the NBA. And to me, that goes to show how skilled these players are that, even though they play a certain role on an NBA team and in Buddy Heald and a normal Sixers lineup, his job is just to be a sharpshooter. You give him the ball, you give him extended minutes, he's got a bag. He's a basketball, an extremely talented basketball player, and he was putting it all on display last night in the Cavs. Cavs game, got that win. Coming down the stretch, it was sort of a, it was a tight, well, it was tight, and then it wasn't, and then it was again, but it was tight. Buddy Heald hitting back-to-back threes, stepping up, in his defender's face, Max Struess's face, cold-blooded threes, buddy buckets, as Kate Scott called him. He's been amazing so far. He's been everything you want to see and more. And how I'm feeling and how Sixers Twitter is feeling is that, man, I cannot wait to see what he looks like with Embiid, with a full Sixers lineup. He's doing all these things great. You know, Right now, he's averaging 20-plus points. Yeah, that might go down, but I just want to see the spacing it creates, how wide open he is on threes, how – Fewer double teams Embiid sees because they can't allow Buddy Heald to be wide open. What that creates for Maxi driving to the bucket, things lanes for Kelly Oubre to cut or Tobias Harris if he ever wants to kind of go up strong to the rim. So I, I just really look forward to seeing what this lineup looks like, what Buddy Heald looks like next to Embiid. We've seen how strong he is with a sharpshooter like JJ Redick, like Seth Curry, um, like the other shooters he's had in his career. So I, I think it's going to be a perfect fit. And with some time to step back from the trade deadline, I think Daryl Morey did the best job that he could have. It sucks losing Patrick Beverly. He was awesome for the team. He was fun to watch, just a hilarious human being. And same thing with Jaden Springer. Well, not same thing, but it sucked to lose him because of the upside he had and his defensive tenacity. But they got the best player in the deadline, and it's Buddy Heald by a mile. They got him. They acquired some second-round picks, and really none of the other big players were traded. No one you know, from these other teams, so they, they got as good as they could have. Still be nice to get a backup center, but Paul Reed has been playing better. He had that game-saving block last night against Donovan Mitchell in the win over the Cavs, so I think they got better, um, and it's going to be fun to see this full lineup. And the last piece, and I mentioned it the last podcast, it was alluded to strongly, the Sixers have signed Kyle Lowry in the buyout market. So they bought him out from the Hornets, who he was traded to from the Heat. Philly native, another one like Marcus Morris, played at Villanova. He's been trying to get back to Philly or been looking forward to getting back to Philly his whole career. Certainly on the back end of his career, not in his prime, but he's a veteran. 
He's a winner. He's a championship winner. He's got a history with Nick Nurse. He's a Philly guy. I think he will really be a great fit in terms of a veteran presence and someone that in a playoff game, in a in a clutch moment of the game, you know, sometime late in the third quarter or early in the fourth where momentum could swing either way, he's going to get you a bucket. And what he'll do is he can be, A, that backup point guard that maybe Beverly or Campaign are not really, but B, he can be a guard that they can play with Tyrese Maxey. And we saw that last night with Campaign, playing with Maxey a lot, creating spots for Maxey to be that off-ball, sort of more shooting guard type player, able to catch and shoot, drive to the basket, sort of do less with the ball in his hands. Not that he can't, he's been great as a point guard, but to, to switch up his role and keep defenses guessing. So Lowry will be great for that role. Just a good, a good signing. Um, again, I think Pat Bev at this point is better all around. But if you ask, you know, in a playoff game, who do you want shooting a tough shot or creating the offense or setting the offense, Lowry or Beverly? It is probably Lowry. So let's see if he can be healthy. Let's see if he can be effective. But in terms of a buyout purchase, I think it's great. It's a nice story. And it's been fun to see. The Sixers, not the only Philadelphia team winning. The Flyers, the surprise team of the year, have won four in a row since the All-Star break. Great win over the Coyotes last night. Maybe their best win of the season, just the way they, they persevered. So they were down one nothing, tied at 1-1, down 2-1, tied at 2-2. Did that all the way before tying at 3-3 and then getting the goal-ahead goal 4-3. A really awesome wraparound goal by Scott Lawton. And some clutch, clutch, fantastic saves by Erson late in the game to keep them in it and eventually Owen Tippett with the empty net goal to really put it out of reach to make it a 5-3 win late there in the third period. The Flyers have looked great. And I said earlier, it's they weren't a surprise teams of the season because they were expected to still be rebuilding, to be young, to not really have everything going. And they just keep winning games. They keep being fun. They keep playing the turtle song after the games, the uh, turtle saxophone. And it's a lot of fun, but it begs the question, and we've talked about it, or people have talked about it previously, what is this team going to do at the trade deadline, which for the NHL is March 8th? And Torts and John Tortorella and Danny Briere, the GM, have said earlier, at least, they're not going to pivot from their plan. And their plan is this team is still rebuilding structurally and wants to get better for the long term. And that begs the question, the philosophical question is, well, what do you do if your team is overperforming, outperforming their expectations? Do you do you still commit to being a, a seller or do you buy? Do you try and win now? And, you know, I don't think even as well as they're playing, anyone's going to say, hey, this is a Stanley Cup winning team. But you get to the playoffs, anything can happen. We've seen it year and year before. And that, that's what makes the NHL playoffs one of the best is it really just depends on which team is hot and playing well in the right time. And we've seen historically great teams fall in the playoffs, you know, first or second round. So it's, I, I'm not the biggest hockey expert, not the biggest flyers expert. So I don't, I don't have a really strong opinion on what they should do in terms of who they should keep and who they should not. But if this team's winning, it, it doesn't make sense to me to, to break up core players. If it's someone that they can afford to let go, that will make them better in the long term. Sure. I support it. But right now they're fun. They're winning. They're wearing the sweet black and orange jerseys. I loved it. So Flyers playing some great hockey right now. And just a, it's a pleasure, especially after the way the Phillies season ended and the Eagles season ended. 
to see the Sixers through all their injuries playing well and the Flyers kind of be this delight, this cherry on top of, oh, this is a fun competitive team. And one thing I know about the Flyers, you know, they have their their passionate fan base and maybe most four for four Philly fans are a little more casual to the Flyers. You know, they'll watch the Eagles, of course, the Sixers, the Phillies and the Flyers, they might tear in and out. But when the Flyers are good and winning, they can captivate the city as much, if not more, than any other Philly team. So if they keep winning, you're going to see the support, see the Wells Fargo Center continue filling up, see people engaging, watching the games, tweeting about it, tuned in. So whether they buy or sell at the deadline, I'm excited to see what this team can do and hopefully end up making a playoff push and just seeing what happens. At the very least, getting some playoff experience will be great for this team. That's all I have on the Flyers and Sixers and Eagles for today's episode. Philly spring training, still right around the corner. We got pitchers and catchers coming up. I'll, I'll get more into that as we get closer to the start of the Philly season. But what a week or what a start to the week for the Sixers and Flyers and a fun Super Bowl on top of all of that. Talk to you guys. Sorry, my cat just took over the microphone. Get out of here, pilot. Talk to you guys next time.